Oh, yeah. It's another week of baseball season. First week of Major League Baseball in the books. Of course, we haven't had Minor League Baseball yet. Jeremy's with me. Jeremy, I'm a little I'm a little aggravated today. I'm a little aggravated. I can't find I have all these fancy gadgets for media production. I have a USB microphone and I can't find it, but because I need to get you a USB microphone. Yeah, there's a little bit of an echo on this side. A little, just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit. Hey, uh, we were together for the first time in person on opening day, Thursday the 8th. The Astros then had their first home game and won 6-2 over Oakland. Fans were in the stands up to 50% capacity, which they said was a, a sellout. Someone on Twitter said to me, I loved the fact that the fans were there, the excitement at the ballpark. I hated that it appeared that most fans were not wearing masks. Of course, the Astros said, if you're not actively eating or drinking, you need to wear your mask. Where do we go with this? Is it a situation where Major League Baseball will step in or really they don't care unless unless it's a situation that involves players and coaches and on-field personnel? You know, um... Did I, I stump you on that? No, I think Major League Baseball cares. I think we're in a situation now where, you know, we look at our state um, and there is no mask mandate anymore, right? We are able to be 100% open. That's, you know, there's evidence by the Rangers, what, last week or four or five days ago, you know? So these aren't things where you know, the Astros approached it. Is, is anything on the Astros? They did, did a good job with it as far as what they can do. Um, you know, the people, I think, I know are ready to get back to some kind of normal. And I think people want to, um, as vaccines roll out and, and, and many, most people I know are taking them or having them. I, you know, I've had my first shot. I will have my second one in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I feel like people think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We can stamp this thing out, you know, and, and honestly, you know, look at the rest of the world. Um, you, look at, you look at Europe, they've had some issues again, look at Canada, They've had some issues again on province of Ontario's in their third lockdown, you know, and, and the United States continues to move forward. You know, the pandemic isn't over. It's nowhere near finished. We still have to be responsible, but people are ready to get back to normal and the excitement of being able to be at a sporting event. Um, I think it was what 500 plus days since people have been back in a stadium like that in Houston. Um, you know, it's a little bit of excitement. We'll see what happens after that. I don't think Major League Baseball does anything. I think it's a state-to-state deal. I think even uh, President Biden has kind of continued that along with what, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the former President Trump, you know, put in play. There's, there's some tighter recommendations, but, you know, the pe- the health, um, the chief health, uh, what's Fauci's exact title? Chief health examiner, chief- Something like that. Whatever. I mean, he even they're saying we're kind of getting out of it. So we're just going to have to kind of tighten, you know, grin and bear it and be, and be responsible individually and- there's not a whole lot anybody else can do. On KHOU 11 News, you and I both mentioned how important it was to get off to a 5-1 and one start, now 6-1 and one start for the Houston Astros. It's tied for their best in team history along with 2018, 1988, and 1987. I think those are the three teams that were each 6-1 and one through seven games. I'm telling you, man, could you imagine what – 
what the mood would be like if this team got off to say a two and five start. I think inside the clubhouse, I think they would be okay. But shoot, I remember when they were when they when the Astros were a World Series contender and they got off to a slow start, and Josh Reddick was like, "Chill, everybody, chill." <laughs> but I think more so from the opposing fans and Twitter and social media and what kind of what kind of anger and the and the and just what would be saying be said about them if they hadn't gotten off to this this strong start? Uh, um, people want to see this crew fail, you know. And and my my you know I've been you know and I think this is beyond fair, ridiculously tough on the Houston Astros organization for the last several years. But a lot of that had to do with Jeff Luno and, and AJ Hinch and how this, they were doing things with the front office, Kevin Goldstein, Brandon Taubman, um, how they drafted. It had nothing to do with the actual players on the field. Um, when this happened, last time we were together directly in person was to cover the Astros cheating scandal. I went back and looked it up, right, uh, on, uh, on Sports Extra. And what I can say is players follow their leader, okay? It's over. It is over. At some point, we all have to turn the page and move on. Um, the vitriol they're going to see um, from fans around the country is going to be something like they fans didn't have a chance last year to do this. They're going to let it out this year. But if the Astros go play well and they do what they're supposed to do without any of the aids, let's say, to help them understand what pitch is coming, there really isn't anything else the fans can say at all. That's like your line yesterday. Look at the scoreboard. Right. Nothing else you can do. So the best thing they can do, and this is a, this is a real big credit to James Click and to Dusty Baker and what their leadership is doing with this club, um, is to step in and keep these guys focused, energized, and loose and free to go play well, so that they can be the talented guys that they are and get rid of this stigma. Now, best thing for the Houston Astros organization, and unfortunately for them, there's nothing in the system I think that can really help this process. Um, I think everything, the best major league ready stuff they have is in the big leagues now um, is to go win the whole thing. And if they win the whole thing, you can say whatever you want about 2017, but they got two of them, right? Because that legit, this one will legitimize that one, regardless of the drum banging or trash can throwing or, you know, uh, Western Union telegrams, whatever they were using to, to figure out what signs were coming, you know? So um, we do have to turn the page. Six and one is great. Seven and one is better. They're going to come back to earth at some point, but if they can be good in spurts, really good in other spurts and minimize damage. They got a chance to do this thing. I mean, it, it, baseball is baseball. You can't win a championship in April, but I think you can lose one. And the ground that Oakland has lost, man, come September, late August, I think they're going to be looking back at these days in April and saying, Oof, if we had, if we had just won a couple more of those games, we might be in the playoffs right now. Yeah, no disagreement. I don't know how you can over – what, they one and seven? Something like that? Something like that. I don't know how you can overcome that. You know, I mean, again, it's early, but if you do this in April and you're, let's just say, 10 and 20, that's a tough hole to dig out of for the rest of the year, right? One and seven indeed. Yeah, that's going to be a tough hole to dig out of the rest of the year. Um, the Astros are the best team in the West. We've talked about that before. I think somebody you said predicted the Angels to win it. Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. Mariners aren't going to win the West. I, I still think they're two years away. and need to have some major overhaul changes at the GM level. I've been saying that for a while. Um, 
I think uh, the Angels are going to be good. They'll be better in a couple of years. It's not their time. Um, you know, the Rangers are the Rangers still. Um, and Oakland apparently, oops. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, again, it's early, but the Astros have a chance to really win this division um, handily if they can just be themselves. And they got to stay healthy. They got to get Valdez back. There's some things that have to happen. But if they can do, if they can do what they do, then they have a chance to not be close in the West. Have you watched enough baseball? Because I know you're a busy man. Busy, busy, busy. Have you, uh, I've watched, I've watched, have you watched uh, enough? Have you watched enough baseball to give me your biggest surprise thus far in Major League Baseball? Yeah, I, I've watched enough, and I can tell you that uh, my biggest surprise in Major League Baseball was the Boston Red Sox sweeping the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I don't care what time of the time of year that is. I know baseball is baseball. That should never happen. Uh, the way those two clubs are put together, it's not a slight against the Red Sox. Tampa Bay is just that much better. You know, and to see that happen this early is a little bit frustrating. I'm, I'm sure the raised people were, um, are not fr- surprising. I'm sure the raised people were a little frustrated with it. You know, obviously, Hein Bloom is the GM in Boston. He came from Tampa. You don't want to lose to your old teammates, you know, when it comes to that. So uh, that's a pretty big surprise for a team that's going to have a chance to win the whole thing, too. How about these? Also in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles now tied for first with the Red Sox at four and three. I don't count them as a team. Yeah, but still, that's a surprise. Or in the National League, and yes, I'll take it with a grain of salt, but those Cincinnati Reds are 5-1. and one. Now, granted, they played a lot of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, the, the Reds aren't actually a bad club. I think that's a chance to be, be okay. Um, the Orioles are, are playing better than anybody expected, and, and it's early. And, they'll, you know, again, that's why you play the games. Um, I'm joking when I say I don't consider them a team. Um, but that's the Mike Elias, Jeff Luno East show, right? So I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, you know, Mike put out a propaganda video not too long ago about how good their player development was and their complex was, and that was a first, you know. So to see something like that, big billboard, and say, hey, we're great. Eh, it's just, that was interesting. So, um, you know, we'll see what they do. But, yeah, that's a surprise with them winning. I think they ranked uh, in the bottom two or three teams in baseball in runs scored, the Reds. And then I think now they're they're averaging almost 10 runs a game the, the start of the season. But again, I, you got to take it with this whole grain of salt that they've been playing the Pirates. And speaking of the Pirates, poor Key Brian Hayes, huh? Key Brian uh, Hayes, injury to his wrist. He's one of the first, uh, or few, I should say, fathers and sons, part of the father and son tandem to hit home runs on opening day. Yeah, Key's a great, great kid. Um, he's a grown man now, but he's such a great kid. Charlie's a good person, love him, good family. You know, we had a good experience. We went and talked to Cabrian, right, and uh, and got to visit with Charlie again. It's just, um, it's it, you know, he's got a chance to win Rookie of the Year, or had a chance to win Rookie of the Year. He can still come back and do that. Um, he is one of the most engaging people. He is an 80 defender at third base. He is somebody who's going to hit better than anybody ever thought. Um, and the Pirates did an excellent job of selecting him where they did. And they stole him at a 32, I want to say, 32nd pick in the country. They stole him right in that range. Um, and he's, he's going to be an all-star for a while, you know, provided he's healthy. So he'll have his day in the sun. It's frustrating to see him get off to, uh, an injury in the first week of the season, but he's, he's there to stay. 
That's for sure. Shoot, Forbes even had a had an article on him. Forbes.com. Key Brian Hayes is for real and the foundation of the Pittsburgh Pirates rebuild. Oh, sorry. That's not Key Brian calling or Charlie. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, the Pirates got some good young players. I mean, um, Cole Tucker has a chance to be all right. Um, you know, obviously Key. Adam Frazier's got a chance to win a batting title. Um, I mean, they've got look, they've got some guys there that have a chance to do some things. So it's the right movement to let them grow up together in the big leagues and see what happens. You know, we'll see how it turns out. Frazier's off to a slow start, though. Uh, 227 thus far. You think he can win a batting title, huh? Oh, speaking of, should we go through, go back to one of our stalwarts, one of our big deals that we always do on this podcast? Go back to your scouting reports from, yeah. from past Let's years? Let's do it. Well, we just gave away who it is. It's Adam Frazier. This is your report from 2013, right? Yeah, yeah, 2013 draft, same team as Kendall Graveman and Dustin Renfro. You put regular shortstop in major league role, top of the order bat, grinds through at bats and doesn't take pitches off, knows the zone, loose, easy swing that is short to the ball, has bat speed, can put the can pull the uh, I can't even read. Can pull the ball down the lines for extra bases, line drive approach in the middle of the field instinctual defender with easy actions, good first step and range to both sides will get better as the game speeds up. Do you have a comp here? Oh, no. He's a tough one. Oh, there's the comp. Makeup, gamer, grinder, competes, aggressive. Walt Weiss. Okay. That's a good one. You know, that was a good one. Um, Walt Weiss ever win a batting title? No, he won rookie of the year. Yes. Adam Frazier can hit. Uh, he can play defense. He's a good baseball player. He has gotten better as the game is sped up, obviously. Um, and I, I said Dustin Renfro. It was actually Hunter Renfro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, those guys together, watching how he played the game, I saw him face Ryan Stanek at Arkansas. Um, I saw him another time. can't remember where. Maybe, maybe Ole Miss. Um, and I got to tell you, all he did was play well. And I just said, look, you take this guy in the second round and, you know, you put him in the second round because that's where he sits on the board, but he's not going to go in the second round. He should have gone sort of around three or four. I think he actually went in the sixth round. And I remember screaming when we got to the third round. It's like, all right, you know what? Want him at one. Okay, fine. We took, we took DJ Peterson. That was a miss. We had guys like Tim Anderson, another guy. We could have had that year. See, now we're going to do it, right? We could have had Tim Anderson – could have uh, made a deal to get an arm out of the Midwest, taken Adam Frazier, and then the next year backed it up with Reese Hoskins. Whoops. Right? I mean, and you could have had all the – I'm just – that just frustrates me. Oh, just – because you work so hard to get that, and you line these guys, guys on the board, and you take guys like um, – oh, my, my bad. Another guy we could have had was Aaron Judge. Yeah, Same okay. Draft. Same draft. You could have had Anderson and backed him up with Judge taking an arm and taking Adam Frazier. How does that look in Seattle right now? With Kyle Seeger, Reese Hoskins at first base, Adam Frazier at second, um, Anderson at third, Seeger at, at uh, Anderson at short, Seeger at third, and Judge in right field. DJ I Peterson, you picked Austin Wilson, huh? Mac liked him better than Aaron Judge. I knew we had a second pick in there somewhere. 
in the second round. We could have gotten Judge in the second round. I mean, Austin second. Wilson looked the part, right? Give Austin Wilson two million dollars. Could have got Judge in the second to the second round for two million dollars. And my old uh, um, co-worker there and somebody who used to work here with us in the series, Butch Bacala, I'll give him credit. St- literally, we call it standing on the table. Stood on the table screaming for Aaron Judge, and we couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Imagine taking all – they all lined up for us too. Tim Anderson, Aaron Judge, pick an arm in the second after Austin Wilson, go get Frazier, next year back it up with Hoskins. Um, we took Alex Jackson, I think, at, at 6 and 14. I was the West Coast guy for that. But you could have had Trey Turner. You could have had um, – no, I'm serious. I mean, if you take Anderson, you probably won't take Turner. But you could have had um, Conforto. That's who it was in 14. Could have had Conforto. So you'd have Conforto and left or center, judge and right. All these guys lined up. Whoops. Austin Wilson topped out high A ball. $2 million. Didn't hit uh... – Gosh, sophomore, he hit 309 as a freshman, but after that, he never batted more than 300 in college. We had concerns about Aaron Judge swing and miss. Butch, really? Um, because, listen, um, yeah, I mean, Stanford outfielders, they've not fared too well. I mean, the guys that think of that come pop to mind, the one that really is Michael Taylor. Yeah. Big 6'6 six, six guy, not the one for the Royals. Yeah, yeah. And he tore it up in the minors and then uh great guy. Mm-hmm. We could have had um who else could we have had that year? Could have had Ty- we did take Tyler O'Neill in the third round. Yes, you did. 13. So if you just kept O'Neill, drafted around him with Judge and Conforto, there's your outfield. Conforto plays center, uh Judge plays um O'Neill plays left, Judge plays right. That's your outfield in Seattle. Seeger, Anderson, Frazier, Hoskins around the dirt. And you can go build a staff off the stuff you just draft pitching, which we had plenty of opportunity to do that. And we passed on that. Seattle Mariners, we set up to win World Series the next eight years. How many guys in that class do you think made the majors? Which class are we talking about? 2013 Seattle. Well, that was Peterson one, Wilson two. So that was a no. I think O'Neill was three. So that's one. Uh, Adam Yarbrough, I want to see was in that draft. Is that right? Um, no. I'm going to say two guys. I think this might surprise you. Eight guys. Where do we take them? How much impact do we take? Well, that's the difference. Impact. O'Neal, Reinheimer. Oh, yeah. Jack, fifth round. Yeah. Tyler Olson. That's right. Left-handed reliever. We took him in the seventh round. uh, Tyler Smith. He got to the big leagues. So what From it Oregon. says here, according to the baseball cube. Morgan State, really? Wow. All right. Played uh, in 2017, 10 games. With, with Seattle, right? Hmm. And Olsen was with Seattle, too, in the big leagues? Let me look. Uh, Cleveland, the Yankees, and Seattle. There it is. Olsen was a left-hander. That makes sense. Mac was good on that. He'd get those left-handers through 88, 90, could turn it over, below hitting speed, funky, tough to see. He was good in that, in that realm. And Butch did a good job with him, too. Emilio Pagan? Yeah, that's a good one. That was uh, – we took him later in the draft. 15th round? 10th. 10th round, yeah. Zach Lit- 
Littell. Yeah, again, fringe guys. Ian Miller. That's right. Ian got called up last year, too. Outfielder, eight, Wagner. 17th, 18th round, something like that. 14. Paul yeah. Fry. Yeah. St. Clair County Community College. That, good, was that, that wasn't in your area, was it? No. Good, good for them. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, those guys all. They all sound, made it, but, you know. Made it. Sound, but, you know, those guys sound like they're in the right place at the right time opportunity when Seattle wasn't doing very well, you know. Um, if you drafted the impact we talked about, those guys never see the big leagues, at least not there. But isn't that crazy? Like a lot of times we look at a, a draft and we, and, and certainly it's about how many guys make the majors, but I think that's even, if you in that draft room, if they said to you guys, listen, you're going to have eight guys make the bigs. Would you take the eight guys or do you want that one home run pick that becomes an all-star? Well, I, I think there's different parts of the draft, so it's hard to answer that question. You always want to take guys who are going to play in the big leagues and help you win, but the, last, the best part, the key part of that is help you win, right? So if you're in the first round and you take a DJ Peterson and you could have Tim Anderson, you're in the second round and you take Austin Wilson and you could have had Aaron Judge, especially for the money you paid, I don't care how many guys played in the big leagues, that's a whiff, okay? You have to get those guys in, in the front. In the first round, you have X people to choose from second round you still got first round guys to choose from even the third round you got first round guys to choose from after that you get into second rounders some guys in the third round that you would really think but the rounds that you're in there's only so many guys that can go there you start selecting there so it's how you win the rounds that matters it's, it's if mac was really good and the seattle staff was good when mac listened to them um in the later rounds as you can tell all the guys you're talking about really were what eighth round and on ninth round and on you know, so Pagan is probably the biggest surprise for me out of the 10th round. He was like, what, Belmont Abbey or something like that? Yeah, I mean, we took him, and um, that was a pure area scout sign, and Mac had an affinity for the area scout. Um, funny story, the area scout, uh, and this is a true story, and, and I, I, you know, this is going to be said on the podcast. This area scout would not get out of Mac's pocket. He was the biggest – I'm holding on to my scouting director – Nobody else can be around him. Nobody can talk to him. I'm afraid somebody else is going to be there. Oh, my goodness. What's Mac doing? Hey, Mac, you need a soda. Hey, Mac, you need – it was it was unbelievable to work with. Um, but that relationship got in players, right? So when it came to to Emilio Pagan, you know, the guy's name is Devitt Moore. Devitt did a good job on Emilio Pagan, and Mac took him in the 10th round because he was Devitt's guy. Um, he was the biggest surprise. He's actually been serviceable for a couple teams, Oakland, San Diego, Tampa Bay, right? So, but that's how, that's how that works. You got to win each part of the draft. You know, you, you can't just take guys that are big leaguers. And say, oh, we got eight big leaguers. That's great. Did they help you win? So at least that's my perspective. Chad Pinder was in that second round later in the draft. Yeah. And Mac wanted him. And Devin Mac Williams. Who? Devin Williams, the reliever for the Brewers. Me and Tony Russo went and saw him. I saw him twice, and I was screaming for Devin Williams, high school kid from St. Louis, now with the Brewers, right? Brewers took him in about that same spot. Yeah, you said second round. So He was 54. Austin Wilson was 49. Mac wanted we, – we wanted at that time – and this wasn't how Jack uh, Z drafted because Jack's record is, uh, you know, almost unmatched, right? Um, other than Bobby Heck, who's done an exceptional job. There's other guys, Ed Creech, um, Eddie Bain. There's guys who've done really good jobs. But um, Jack wanted 
he wanted players. He wanted big leaguers, but he wanted guys to win. He wanted uh, carrying tools. He wanted athletes. He wanted stuff he could build on, and he wanted instincts. And different parts of the draft yield uh, things that are more dominant than others, right? Um, we call them aircraft carriers. Ray Montgomery, same thing, aircraft carriers, right? Um, Mac just tend to like the guy that was 5'11 and, you know, had a couple things he did well and was gritty. And that's what we took, you know? Um, so the, the drafts and the players got to the big leagues reflect that. And there were some wins. Brad Miller was a good player. Seager's all Mac reached back to the, it was before I got there. Seager reached back and grabbed him. He reached back and grabbed him out of the fifth round where they had him and pulled him up to the third round. They took him. Um, you know, he, he, he did some good things there, but yeah, the Emilio Pagan story was kind of an interesting one. Cause he went off the board. The rest of the room went who, cause we hadn't talked, we hadn't talked about him. And then, you know, it was, it was the debit more. I love Tom McNamara fathead type of deal, you know, where he got him taken. So it was, it was great. Crazy. Anyway. Uh, by the way, Aaron judge went number 32 overall round one. So. Right. Where did Wilson go? 49. So he was how off much? the board at that point, but right. But how much did judge sign for? Because I know we gave Wilson two million bucks. That I know for a fact. I would guess that slot was more than that for Aaron Judge. I don't think so at that time, man. That was already eight, nine years ago. Eight years ago. One point eight million. Right. So you could have got Aaron Judge for giving him two to two point one and guarantee him, and he gets to you. That's how you do it. Hey, we want to take, and they won't say that's how you do it, but you say, hey. You know, we have a really good – we want to take you – not we can't take you at 12. We want to take you at 49, right? And then he uh, tells – the player then tells the other teams, I'm not going to sign for – for I'm going to sign for $3 million and then he – or he, I'm going to sign for whatever amount, and then he falls to you with that that prearranged deal, if you will. Correct. And, and the next year we took Alex Jackson at one, and we took Gareth Morgan and gave him $2 million too. You know? Oh, yeah, I got, I got a phone call. True story. I'm so glad we do this. I can tell the truth. I got, I got a phone call um, from Butch, who was doing the national stuff at that time, and I was doing the West. This Was this 14? It was 14. And I'd seen Gareth Morgan, and I, you know, we all liked him, and he had a ton of power. Um, you know, he had some things he could do. Pretty good athlete, right? Um, all that's true. Um but I had him behind guys like Derek Hill. I had him behind other guys like Trey Turner. I had him behind other guys like um, Carlos Rodon. I mean, just, you know, this type of list. And that's not a perfect science of who was on my board, but just to give you an idea. Um, and I got a phone call. Hey, you got to move him up. What do you mean I got to move him up? You got to move him up on the board. Well, who, why do you, why? He said, uh, I, said I said, why? He said, because Your Mac, board though, right? My board. He said, he said, Mac likes him. I said, I like him too. He goes, JB, we might take him. I said, I, I got him where I got him. He said, who do you compare him to? I said, there's only one comparison for this guy. And this is Mike Stanton at the time, now Giancarlo. That's the only comparison you could have. I said, but I don't I'm not giving him, you know, two and a half million dollars. I'm just not, I'm not doing it. And so he goes, well, you got to move up the board. So I moved him up the board because my boss told me to do so. We go in, $2 million, we take him. And, and it's, it's been a mess. Right. It's been a mess pretty consistently since he got out there. And to take that kid was baffling that we fell in love with him. We wanted nothing to do with Aaron Judge. It was interesting. And I mean, nothing to do with Aaron Judge. Anybody that tells you we liked Mike Trout, that's why he went 24th. Anybody who tells you we like Aaron Judge, that's why he went 32. The Yankees liked him. They took him. The Angels liked Mike Trout. They took him. 
The rest of us, let me say this another way. Many of us were scared to death. Okay. Even I had trout in the sandwich round. I'm just, I'll just tell you that. I mean, I went and saw him in New Jersey and hit left-handed for me one day and he, you know, he ran well, couldn't throw. And I was like, I get it. Athletic and runs, got some power. What are we going to do here? I don't know. New Jersey kid hasn't played a lot of cold weather, you know, sandwich round. They took him to 24. You know who we took? Contrell Davis. Whoops. Eric Arnett. Ouch. You know, so um, it's not a perfect science, but some of those picks were kind of comical because of how they happened. Yes. Well, Trout wasn't even the top pick for, for the Angels. There was some strategy to that. The guy was the top yes. pick for Randall Gritchick, and they yes. did that to pay Trout more than Gritchick. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Gareth Morgan update. You want a Gareth Morgan update? Is, is there an update to have? Let's go. I mean, I didn't. he's Canadian, but that's, that. that's not an update. He's always been Canadian. Yeah, whole time. Uh, last taste of the big, uh, of professional baseball, obviously last year, no minor league baseball. So, uh, 20 homers, 49 runs driven in at inland empire. And I mean, listen, man, he strikes out once every three plate appearances, maybe even more than that. Actually, I should take that back. He strikes out one out of every two plate appearances half the time he either rise on time and it goes a long way or he swings and misses i mean 180 strikeouts in 2018 and 334 at bats wow he's still playing those were baseball reference stats i hope people aren't bored by this no i'm pretty sure they're interested in it especially when you talk about how this comes together so jason churchill will be interested in it oh for sure for sure Jason Churchill, Seattle Mariners guy. Yeah, absolutely. Active, yeah. So he's still he's still with the Mariners. He's uh, apparently assigned to Salt Lake. That's the Angels, right? Triple A. Is that the Angels now? Salt Lake? Yes, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Well... That's, uh, that's how fast it can turn. You can take certain guys in certain spots and win championships, or you can take guys just get the big leagues and cover your butt. You, you, you be the judge, pun intended. Should we hold off on the, the other topic that we talked about, the combine? Um, we can hold do, off. Do that one next week. Okay. Because we've gone a long time. Yeah, it's usually how we roll. Yeah. All right, everybody, for uh, – Jeremy, I'm Jason, and we'll see you Sunday on Sports Extra, right, Jeremy? Right, Sunday night Sports Extra. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Leave us a comment, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It's all down below in the description. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to Extra Bases.